Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller Podcast. I am your host, Peter Wheatmartian, and on this episode, I am joined by KZ and Colleen. This week, we talk all about reviews. In our Biz Buzz segment, we talk about reviews in context of readers and writers, how they can help readers find their next favorite book to read, and how they can help authors sell more copies of their books. Plus, learn a little bit about the differences between reader reviews and editorial reviews, and where can you find reviews for books. Then, in our second segment, our discussion topic this week is about review bombing. We'll talk more about a specific case of review bombing in that part of the episode, but we ask a few things like, what is a review bomb? Can a author fight off a review bomb? And much more. And I want to remind you, if you have not already done so, please be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you can, please be sure to leave a review and let other listeners know that you enjoyed this show. We have some very special news also. If you visit our YouTube channel, which the link will be down in the show notes, we are going to release all of our biz buzz discussion topics as a small video. So you can listen to us here on your favorite podcast app, or you can listen to the biz buzz segments on YouTube. So please be sure to check out all of our biz buzz segments coming soon to YouTube. And hello, I am Peter, and I am joined, as always, by Colleen and KZ. And on this week's show, we are going to talk a little bit about book reviews. So let me first start off with what is a book review? So if you go on to Amazon, if you go on to Goodreads, listen to our show last week about Goodreads, or really any other um, any other bookseller, you can find a little place at the bottom where there are reviews that readers have you know shared what their thoughts are on the book and there's also reviews that you can as an author put inside of your book and those are usually from people who have read the book who are experts in the field or advanced readers or other people who have a pre-release of the book who have been able to review or read and review the book. So there's kind of two different types of book reviews. And um, I'm going to turn it over to these uh, ladies that I have with me today to talk a little bit about the reviews in specific. But let's first go to KZ because I know you as an author have worked with some book reviews on both the author side and the reader side. So can I get a little bit of a background on book reviews from you today, Casey? Sure, absolutely, Peter. Glad to talk about this is a great topic for anyone who wants to be an author, but it's also a great topic for readers. It's important to on both sides that we understand what the process is and, and what what you're really doing when you're giving a review. Uh, it, it's one of the most frustrating parts for an author is to get a low review, is to get a low score, okay, we're talking about five stars here, so give give someone a three-star rating, and then in the text review, say, I love this book. Well, duh, mm-hmm. 
you didn't really apparently or you didn't understand how the process works. So I'll use Amazon as an example. But when you have uh, when you like a book, when you really want to like it, you can leave a rating. Now, rating is just the stars. You don't have to leave text. Okay, and so you can choose one, two, three, four, five stars, whatever you want to on the ratings. Okay, when you leave a review, you do leave the stars, you get the rating, but you also give text that goes along with it. And when a reader picks up the the book from Amazon, looks at it on Amazon, they are looking at those stars, but they're also going down and clicking on the reviews to read what people say especially if there's a wide range. If there's someone who's got 10 twos and 300, uh, 300 fives, they're probably not going to worry too much about it. But if you've got 10 twos and three fives, they're going to wonder. So they're going to they're gonna go down and look at those reviews and see what other people are saying. Reviews are the same thing as you going out and standing in the grocery store with, with, with a friend and saying, hey, have you used this brand of rice before? And your friend's saying, Yes, I loved it. It's easy to cook and it tastes great. That's what a review is doing. It, 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 it's giving you that, that um, validation of what you're considering to buy. And I think I've gone overboard here. So, Colleen, you want to add some things? I know. I was going to talk about the, uh, the author side of how we help people get reviews for their book. Is that good for you, Peter, for me to go on with that? Yeah. Uh, that's what we do with our authors at ask them to really, if they can get three to five, at least to start with, then those three to five reviews can go, uh, some of them can go on the back of their book. It can help for the marketing of their book and their social media and their blogs or their author website, whatever it is. But having those reviews show that people have read the book and what they have to say about it. And generally when you ask someone, uh, they're going to be, uh, more upfront and and give you the truth about what it is they like about the book. And so those reviews are great because they can go into the book. And then when you set up your online, like Ingram Spark or your Amazon uh, accounts, then those reviews also can go in that the author can put in, but they've been validated by the reviewers, if you will. And you get those permissions back from those reviewers after they reviewed the book, then they are giving you permission to use that in your marketing materials. No, yeah, that's super great information for both of you. Um, let me start off here real quick with um, Candy, KZ. Um, there's a, been a meme going around recently that is a, um, a picture of a product with 500 five-star reviews and zero two-star reviews. And the people are like, that could be questionable. Why are they all 500? But if you have a thousand five-star reviews and 22-star reviews, people are like, oh, that person really knows what they're doing because they're getting real reviews. That is absolutely kind of true. Yeah, that, that is a funny meme, but it's also really, really true of, of, of what we're looking at in, in, in the industry. Um, and also something to consider uh, I know we're not going in that direction, but I'll just bring this in. Reviews are handled differently on nonfiction books as and then they are with fiction books. In fiction, reviews are make or break. In nonfiction, they are also really important, but you don't always see thousands of reviews on the nonfiction side. It's not unusual to see hundreds and thousands of reviews on the fiction side. Yeah, that's so true. 
Um, yeah, let me talk about that then in, in uh, connection with what Colleen was talking about. Um, a lot of the reviews from nonfiction books are from the people who are experts in the field about whatever the, the topic of that book is. And a lot of those are the books, or the, a lot of those are the reviews that Colleen was talking about where you talk to, you know, those experts and ask if they can give your book some validation, some proof before it becomes um, a live for sale book that other people can buy. And um, I'm going to go onto Amazon and just say, uh, or say they are um, usually, they're a different name. They're usually called something like a uh, publisher's review or some sort of um, um, uh, editorial review, which are the book reviews that happen before the books come become live. True. There's there's a limited number of those we can we can put out. They are the they are the most powerful um, reviews. Those pro those professional reviews are your most powerful. Um, but uh, they are and those are the ones that you really want to make sure as a writer that uh, that you're taking advantage of it because those are the ones you post and you get to choose which ones you add. Yeah, that's so true. So let me let me ask Colleen here. Um, so. If you are a reader and you open up your book and you see on like the front flap or maybe it's on the back cover of the book and you see someone say like, this is the best book ever. And it's from, let's just say like the New York Times or, you know, um, another major newspaper or a magazine. So Colleen, how do those reviews show up on the book? Well, they show up on the back of the book. Is that what you're talking about, Peter? Yeah, they but, show but how, how, no one's read it yet. So how do they, how, how have they, how have the author been able to use that um, as a, a review on their book? Well, I think what you're talking about is how did they get that review on the book if it hasn't even been released yet? Well, they probably are, uh, maybe they've been published by a traditional publisher mm -hmm. and the traditional publisher or that agent has reached out to New York Times or whatever uh, uh places is giving the review and, and asked them for it. They had an agent that was doing that marketing for them to help them uh, get a, an early copy of the book or a working draft of the book to read. And then they would give that testimonial review for the book. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. And advanced, these are called advanced reader copies. Um, and they are they are truly powerful. And you know what? What I love about those, Colleen, is the fact that it doesn't take an agent to do that. You as the writer, if you're self-publishing or whether even if you are with a company, uh, another uh, a publisher, you can also send those out. You can send out those advanced copies of your book and solicit those reviews. And it's yeah. worth the effort. Yeah, that's that's good advice. I forgot all about that and wasn't thinking of that end of it, but that's so true. You can uh, advocate for yourself if you're self-publishing or not self-publishing. Let me ask both of you, have either of you been an advanced reader and given a review before a book has gone out live? I have a couple of times. I've been asked in a beta reader group and um, I've done it once or twice, but it's been a while since I have done that. How about you, Casey? I have done it. And I, again, like you, I don't do it very often. I think the reason that we don't do it is not because it's a, it's not a good system or a good idea. It's because we are focused on, on assisting, helping writers. 
And so we're more, we're more focused on helping them to get into the, uh, into the system of, of advanced readers and, uh, and take advantage of those reviews. That's exactly how I feel about it too. Yeah. Helping the author get out there. So I don't take a lot of time to do that um, and, and do that advanced reader, copy beta reader. Uh, KZ, so um, since we have talked about, um, since this kind of came up, um, advanced reader copies, beta readers, early reviews, would you call them synonymous? Are they different? Are, how, how would you compare those different terms? Actually, they are different, and that's a great question, Peter, because a, um, <clears throat> a beta reader is more going to, is going to be used by the writer to look at a book that is primarily or mostly done, it may not be completely done, or one that the that the writer feels needs, they need some feedback to be sure that they aren't missing things. A beta reader is going to look at in more detail, they might be looking at just a chapter at a time, or they might be looking at the whole book, but a beta reader is going to give feedback on not quotes necessarily, not necessarily a review. They're going to give feedback on how the book is progressing, plot, structure, characters um, in the nonfictions and the fiction side, and just general overall how it, it flows and content and continuity and clarity on the on the fictions, on the nonfiction side. And so that's what a beta reader does. Now, a an ARC and an advanced reader copy, you might have a beta reader who does both. Okay, that's a possibility. But in general, a purely advanced reader copy uh, reader is going to read the book that you give them, and it is almost always going to be an advanced copy. I have seen people go out with one that's already been published, and they want to get some more reviews, so they'll they'll open up an ARC program process again. But in general, it's a book that that hasn't been reviewed, hasn't been published yet, and so you're writing the reviews for a pre-published book. For the professional reviews that are uh, that are that that we get to put into your uh, to give that extra boost, if you will, um, those are are like the ones that Colleen was talking about with the with the New York Times or anything any place like that where you're going to send them a copy of the book and ask them to give you the review in return. That's really great information. Uh, one final question on reviews that I have for either of you to answer is when you do send out these advanced reader copies or ask for these reviews um, before the book's published, is that necessarily the final book that they're going to read, or may there, may there sometimes be changes between what the <laughs> advanced reader copy is and the final publication? That's pretty much always changes. <laughs> <laughs> One of the big changes you'll see is, in many cases, the final grammar check and spell check hasn't been performed. So anytime you see a review that says there's spell check or grammar errors, the spelling of your mirrors, well, it's good possibility that that was an advanced reader. <laughs> exactly. I find that a lot because I do a lot of the final proofs of the books and you do come across a lot of inconsistencies or making sure that names are spelled the same way if there's a certain name, all that type of stuff. So that's been my uh, general notion too, or what I've come across when I've been doing that. So, yeah. 
That's that's really great. And since they are not the final book, I guess the final final question I have, the second final question I have is um <laughs> as an author, how long should you expect that this process will take? I mean, do you give the readers a week, a month, six months, somewhere great in between? Question. Great question. Colleen, you want to take it first and I'll follow up? Well, uh, when I've been asked, sometimes you're asked to do it within a week. I mean, people want a 500-page book, advanced reader copied in a week, and it's like, oh, that's that's impossible if you really want a good read, I think. For me, I don't have that kind of time. But I've come across some that have been a few months. They've asked for a few months, which is more doable in some situations. It just depends on their timeline. But I think that a longer period of time for you to have that advanced copy reader out to people it's you're going to get a I think you're going to get a better uh, overall scheme of what's going on in the book and what needs to be changed. I don't know what how you feel about that, KZ. I think you've hit on the key there, Colleen, and that is the the entire publishing cycle for that particular book. So if it's fiction, OK, it's probably going to be a smaller book. It's probably going to be a faster read. In the fiction world, advanced reader copies are typically, uh, those readers are asked to give their review within seven to 10 days. At the most, you might see a 30-day window, okay? Uh, but it's rare to, to go that long. And um, and that that there's, there's good reason for that. The fiction world generally publishes a bit faster than the nonfiction world. Nonfiction publications are usually on a longer prep cycle all the way through. So uh, and and there's usually a lot more emphasis on getting the professionals to read that, okay, and give and give reviews back. So yes, if it's a long book, you're going to have a longer a longer read time. There is no hard and fast rule. It truly is driven by the publishing cycle for that particular publication. Well, I think that's some really great information about reviews that we've talked about so far today. And um, I just want to say, finally, thank you both for sharing your your expertise on this. Um, later in this episode, we're going to talk about a specific type of review that is um, pretty controversial and is uh, come up in the news recently, and that's called review bombing. So please stick around, listen to the back half of this episode, and we're going to talk more about what review bombing is. This episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast is brought to you by us, The Author's Voice. The Author's Voice is the premier online training platform for authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs looking to add a new revenue stream to their business. Whether you're an author looking to publish your book or an administrative assistant looking to expand your business by working with authors and speakers, we have the training programs to help you become a certified publishing professional. You can learn more about The Author's Voice on our website, theauthorsvoice.org, or please follow our social media at Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find links to all of those places in the show notes. Welcome back to this episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast. This part of the episode, I am going to talk with Colleen and KZ about a phenomenon called review bombing. 
So first, let me set the stage here. Um, if you are a reader or if you are an author, you may have heard this term and you might have a question on what is a review bomb. So a review bomb is usually when either a large number of people go and find one product, one book, one store and give negative reviews to that product for whatever reason. It could be for a wide ranging um, different um, reasons. It can also be where a small number of people go and do a negative review, leave negative reviews on a large number of products for specific reasons, like they're, you know, boycotting something or they have um, some sort of problem with, you know, the company or whatever that is producing this product. So there's kind of a, a little bit different um reasonings behind what a review bomb or why a review bomb happens but the the basic idea is that these people want to go out and leave negative reviews on products for some reason that is not necessarily having anything to do with what the product actually is and um this actually came up at the end of 2023 um there was a bit of a controversy with a new author who was using Goodreads to leave negative reviews, review bomb other authors. Um, and for whatever reason, she ended up getting um, caught and um, lost her actual um, contract with her publisher to publish her book because what she was doing was she was basically creating a bunch of different fake Goodreads accounts and leaving negative reviews on other authors. So first, let me start off at, let me ask KZ, as someone who's been on both sides of this, have you ever uh, experienced a review bomb? I think every every author who's published has at some point experienced a review bomb. And it, it's usually pretty obvious um, when you, it, it is usually pretty obvious, but it is not unfortunately obvious to the, the general readership. You as a writer know it's a, a review bomb when it comes in. Sometimes you can do something to, to counteract it, uh, but not always. In many cases, there's nothing you can do except bite the bullet and get more good reviews. Yeah. And let me, um, kind of maybe hopefully help readers when they go to a review and they see let's just say you know 50% of the of the reviews are one or two stars it might be a good idea to read some of the reviews themselves to see if these are reviews that are actually targeted because of the product is not actually a good product at all, or if some people just leave a negative or a, a low one or two star review and say nothing about the product itself, it might be victim of a review bomb. Would you say that's kind of accurate? I would. And, and I'd go a step further, Peter, and, and, and say this. <clears throat> the way that um, Kate was the name of the author who was caught the way she was caught was because she had created multiple fake fake profiles, and then she went to multiple authors in the same genre, okay, who were coming out 
Um, she also happened to target or profile, if you will, authors of color. So the she was caught because several of the authors realized that the same people were were giving each of them the same negative reviews. And and uh, she wasn't very smart about it, to be truthful, in my opinion. But uh, but so you want to look not only at what's happening to you, but if you as an as an author or you as a reader, if you if you're consistently seeing the same person leaving really bad reviews, I would question that. I really would. There has to be an ulterior motive because no one is that unhappy with every book out there. I so can, hope so. Can I jump in here real quick for people who might not know, because I'm not as familiar with the process or the Goodreads, you know, the, that type of thing. First of all, I, I think it's um, how people can think that way to do something like that is beyond me. But when you were saying, Candy uh, or Peter, that she created multiple uh, or she was doing this to the same type of books that she was in, that same type of genre, is it because... Through Goodreads, you can see this, uh, the types of reviews one person leaves. Is that how that works? Where people would notice that her name is uh, bombing those, you know, giving those review bombs? Yes, absolutely. Because in Goodreads, you create lists of books that you want to read. And if you as a writer or a reader, you have genres that you're, you're happy with, you are almost certainly going to be pulling in similar author lists. And okay, yeah. some of these, and some of the authors, a couple of the authors, and I'll, let's take it a step further. This is speculation on my side, but as an author, I belong to author groups. Mm-hmm. And if three or four of my author friends say to me, "Oh, I just got this two-star review," well, you know what? The first thing I ask is, "What was the name of the reviewer?" Okay, great. Because that, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. So, excuse me. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That that's how you found out. Yeah, and I want to say with um, with what was happening with Kate is it was really um, it was really sad to see that uh, one she was targeting authors of color, but also it was really sad to see that she was targeting first time authors as well. Yes, and she was, um, a newer author, and basically from what I have been able to gather, if you search her name on Google or if you're on Twitter um, or really any of the social media places, there's a lot of, you know, tweets and news stories and videos and articles on what, um, on, on what happened, but she was targeting people who were new authors because she was basically trying to boost her own sales. Yeah. Which is really it's- sad. Truly sad. I agree, Peter and Colleen. You you said it as well. It's beyond me to understand that that thinking, that mentality. In her defense, which is probably no defense in my opinion, but in her defense, she she was um, she was suffering from a mental, not a breakdown so much, I think, but a mental crisis is what she has said. But I don't I don't I don't buy it as a valid. I don't buy it as as enough of a, of, a, of a rationale to do it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a it's a complicated story, no matter how you slice it. Um, so definitely takes your own time to look at it. But um, it, it was very interesting. It caught my attention when I saw it. So I, I knew we had to come and talk about what a review bomb is and kind of a little bit about it on the show. Um, let me take it to kind of the next step. Um, so when this first came out, 
the authors that kind of caught the review bomb put it out on social media and i want to say within 24 to 48 hours she ended up losing her publishing contract yes um which is you know kind of her repercussions for what she did um but let me take a let me let me ask about that side of things real quick um have either of you Colleen or KZ worked with a publisher in that aspect before, like as a, a writer? I have not as a writer and most of the people we've worked with have self-published. So we haven't come across that. Um, so we have not come across that yet. Have you KZ? You mean in, in respect of losing a contract or like, have you ever had a contract basically with a small, a smaller publishing house. Yes, I've worked with I've worked with writers who've had contracts with a smaller with in fact I've I've referred them to uh to to smaller publishers because that's what they wanted to do and work with them to get the uh get the get the contract. And it is the repercussions there are huge, Peter. Mm -hmm. She is a new writer. She is good enough to have made an impact to get a contract with what what amounts to a, a traditional publisher. She wasn't self-publishing. And mm -hmm. She had at least a two-book contract. I've seen reports of both two and three, but she had a multi-book contract with them, and she lost it completely. If she decides what, to continue, yeah, go ahead, Colleen. No, I was going to say that's what blows my mind. Uh, most of these people that we have helped that have self-published, I would think that they could possibly get a traditional publisher, you know, a uh, small book publisher, whatever uh, contract. And to find out that she did, and then she lost it, is yeah. beyond. I, I really do feel I feel sad for her, truly sad for her. Yeah, but and, you know, part of the thing that kind of caught me or made me um, really know this was a big deal, and and I kind of think it's um it's important too. She lost a contract with both her U.S. publisher and her U.K. publisher. So yes, she lost I multiple yeah. contracts. Yes, she did. Um, yes, I forgot but, about that. But but kind of what that kind of leads me to is too is it kind of also shows the um, this is a good example of how publishing houses have become so consolidated over the last fifteen or twenty years because uh, the two publishing houses that she had Delray Books and Gaffney Press I know at least Delray Books is owned by um, uh, Penguin Random House. I think both so, of them are, are Penguin Random House, Peter. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that kind of, it, it shows some of the um, consolidation that happens in publishing houses and kind of how that can um, be positive and negative, depending on how you're looking at it. Yeah, she's she's really destroyed. She's really blown her career up. And, uh, and even if she... Even and I'm sure she will continue to write, and I'm sure she will 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 go out and 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 use a, a pen name or a pseudonym. But in the end, her name is now her real name is now Mud as an author, and the publishers will know this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know it's it's sad for everyone involved. You know, you said she she may have had some things going on in her own life that made her do what she did but you know i feel really i feel really badly for the authors that she ended up um you know review bombing and 
potentially putting their books in you know in peril if you will not that anyone's going to like lose their contracts because of it but you know if it went uncaught you know that they would have had a long hill to overcome it is a long road to overcome the bad reviews are definitely noticed um and if you get a lot of them then people will think twice about about buying your book I mean, you obviously there are ways that, that an author can uh, can counteract that, and um, and as an industry, however, we have to be aware of this, and we have to we have to do what we can to to keep things like this from happening and continue to happen. I know Goodreads is making some changes in their policies, and and I know, for instance, in Amazon, it's really difficult to, to set up a fake Amazon account and and leave reviews, um, and. Amazon now owns Goodreads, so I would think that we're going to see some some changes made there in the future. Um, yeah, I would hope that that would um, be the end result of this. Um, better um, review process, better oversight, maybe um, better understanding. And, and that's kind of one reason why I wanted to do this show, too, and I brought this up, is because I think as readers, as authors, as people... Who are involved in the industry we need to know about these topics we need to know about these stories so that we know what to look for in the future and hopefully you know curb these these um destructive um, practices absolutely um it, i know we've kind of gone over the high level stuff over what a review bomb is but is is there anything else that i would missed about reviews or review bombing um either of you want to share today i think you covered it really well peter yep, thanks I for agree. that information yeah and you too casey i think it was i think this was a, a very important topic to cover and i think we've done a good job of it and i uh, hope that uh, others will find it helpful yeah so um let me um let me just close by saying if you as an author or you um, as somebody who's worked in the publishing industry, have experienced some sort of review bombing, please let us know. Let's help um let's help spread the word so that we can, you know, end end this practice in the future. So thank you both for joining me. And um we we look forward to uh talking more about publishing industry news in the future. So thanks again. podcast is a production of The Author's Voice. I have been your host, Peter Wheatmartian, and I want to thank KZ and Colleen for joining me on this episode to discuss all things writing, publishing, and speaking. Do you have questions about today's topic or would like to be a guest on a future episode? You can learn more about The Author's Voice on our website, theauthorsvoice.org, or send our team an email at info at theauthorsvoice.org. You can stay in touch with Candy, Colleen, and Peter through The Author's Voice on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Links to all of those can be found in the show notes. 
If you have enjoyed the episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Also, please help us spread the word about the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast by sharing the episode on your social media or by introducing a friend, a colleague, an author, or anyone who would enjoy the discussion to the show.